1: Gonna get saved and then the other guys they'll come out days. okay I just spent time with the Lord I was with Paul and they go on their knees and then the next guy comes on. Oh, he's not going to convince me oh no I, that, that Jesus freak out, oh, he's not going to get me guess what he gets saved he gets saved and until the whole house was saved because of Jesus Christ you know it, it's we need to realize that when we do suffer for Jesus it's for Jesus So often, oh, woe is me. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through.
0: Are you experiencing a season of hardship? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Eddie, he shares with you the importance of hanging on to the Lord in the midst of trials. Remember that once you're on the other side of these difficulties, the Lord will not waste them. Pastor Eddie explains that God will use these trials for good and to bring others to Him. Everything in your life, the Lord can turn for good and His glory. Well... Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Philemon chapter 1. As he begins his message, Paul's Greetings to Philemon. Now we're going to study verse
1: 1 all the way to verse 3 verse by verse look at verse 1 Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus he begins with his name for those of you who don't know The letters were written in scrolls in those days, right? So you don't want to go, you you know, we write a letter today, Dear, or to whom it may concern, right? To the person, we begin writing the letter that way. Then we say, P.S. or sincerely, and you write your name, right? In a scroll, that's not going to happen because the average scroll is 24 to 25 feet long. (laughs) So... If the person had to scroll all the way down to find out who wrote the letter, he's going to be really upset. Okay? The letter could even mention to him, hey, how you doing, Menachem? You just won a million shekels in a free trip to Athens. He's going to have to roll, I don't care, he's going to have to roll it back up just to read it. So they always, Paul begins by Paul and he identifies himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, for those of you who don't, do not know about Paul, pretty sure many of you do, his name was Saul, Saul Tarsus. Before he, he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, he changed his name later on to Paul. And the name Paul means little one, or little one in Christ. And I think that's a good uh, name. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Usually he identifies himself he gives this apostolic mantle. He mentions his title. He identifies, identifies himself as Paul, an apostle. And usually he does that with letters like the pastoral epistles to let them know because the, it's, it's about church matters. He is an apostle. So he writes with the authority as an apostle. However, it seems that Paul is not writing that here because he's writing to a person one-on-one. He's writing to a, a master, a leader, not Paul's master, but he is a master. Paul's an apostle, so he's writing, uh, uh, you know, from one leader to, to another, and he's, he's trying to appeal for uh, the forgiveness for Onesimus, but we find that, you know, Paul always mentions himself, and he gives a title. Here, as he does with others in, in some of the other books, he identifies himself as a bond servant, but this is a personal letter. And the reason why he doesn't identify himself with his, with his title is because again, he wants them, he wants Philemon to know that he's a prisoner, he's a fellow laborer, and again, it's a personal letter. It's a personal letter. It's the most personal letter you find out of all the Pauline epistles. All of them addressed to churches, even the ones addressed to individuals like first and second Timothy and Titus those are addressed to a person, however, they're still letters, pastoral epistles, they're still about church matters. But here, Paul is writing, and and he's, he he doesn't want, he's not pulling rank here. He doesn't want to pull rank, though he could, because remember, he led Philemon to the Lord. So that's his father in the faith, if you will. How many people have grown in their faith in the Lord and said, this is a person that led me to the Lord. He's like my father in the faith. You know, and I'm grateful for those. I know, I know, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for those who have led my family and I to the Lord. But he wants to approach Philemon in a letter, in a fashion, in a way to say, Hey, you know, Philemon, we're all servants of God. You and I, we're servants of God. We're co laborers in the Lord. We are all called to love one another, we're all called to forgive one another. And that's the attitude. That's, that's what he's, he's leaning to. That's what he's going for. And so he's letting you know, saying, listen, I, I'm not a, I, I, I'm a, my name is Paul. I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And I love what Paul writes here. Not throwing titles. When he does, he has to It's necessary. But I think it's important because Paul, even though, this is what's amazing, I think we can all learn from this. Even though, he could be put in prison because of the emperor of Rome. He may have been physically taken and cuffed and put into prison by Roman soldiers. He may have been put into a Roman cell. But he doesn't identify himself as a prison of Rome. He identifies himself as a prison of Christ Jesus. And he mentions that a lot in this letter. Look at verse 9. Look at the end of verse 9. He says, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Drop down to verse 10. And he says, Onesimus, whom I begotten while in my chains. Drop down to verse 13. He says, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Drop down to verse 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Never gave credit to Rome. Never gave credit to a man. He's in change not for man. He's in change because of Jesus Christ. Paul sees the bigger picture here. And I hope that ministers to you. And I, because Paul didn't say, hey, why don't you do this? Uh, help me, guys. I'm in prison. Why don't you get a prayer circle, change, send emails and text and put it on Facebook to pray for me. I'm in prison. That God may set me free. No, Paul said, no, praise the Lord. I'm in prison. Because of Jesus. Guess what? I have a prison ministry now. Paul was chained to Roman soldiers, and every eight hours they had to chain. They had to be physically chained to the prisoner at that time. Paul, he let all the Roman soldiers that were chained to him. Oh, I got eight hours with this guy. He's going to get saved. And then the other guys, they'll come out dazed. Okay, I just spent time with the Lord. I was with Paul. And they go on their knees. And then the next guy comes. Oh, he's not going to convince me. Oh, no. I, that, that Jesus freak, oh, he's not going to get me. Guess what? He gets saved. He gets saved. And until the whole house was saved because of Jesus Christ. You know, it's, we need to realize that when we do suffer for Jesus, it's for Jesus. So often, oh, woe is me. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> Listen, in America, we have no idea what it is to suffer as a Christian. So let's just start off from the top. And that's like 80% of just putting that aside because you don't know what it is to per- be persecuted for your faith. Christians in third world countries can't even gather together and worship God. We have the freedom and liberty and we... Oh, we want, oh, I'm, I'm going to watch it on Facebook. Oh, I'll go when I can oh I don't want to go there's a, there's a virus we have all these little things they'll go with virus they're slapping mosquitoes I've seen a picture where there is, is a, you probably saw it on Facebook where the church in some third world country there was a flood up to their knees and thighs they were, the pews were still filled and they were worshipping God we complain about how much, what the temperature is here and we can't worship God. We have all these things that hinder it. No. Worship the Lord. We will talk about suffering. Anyway, I don't want to go, too, go off. But the big picture, he didn't ask for people to pray for him. Paul counted all joy when he suffered persecution. Look what he wrote to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 to 30. He writes this, and remember this verse when you go home. It says, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. That's easy. We believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you get the the people from the evangelists, you know, on TV. Oh, yeah. You know, It's been granted to believe in Jesus. But read the other half. But also to suffer. They're going to tell you to suffer? No. But also to suffer for his sake. Verse Verse 30. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Yeah, we could believe in Jesus. Yeah, Christian land. You know, we speak Christianese, Christian everything. But are we willing to suffer for Christ? Are we willing to suffer Christ? Or well, how about the conflict? That word "conflict" in the Greek is the word "agon," where we get the word "agony." So we're not saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, they don't give me a raise because I'm a Christian." Who cares? I didn't get the promotion because I'm a Christian. Who cares? Complain to the, the brother, sister in Christ who are suffering in prison right now in third world countries. Counted all joy. Paul saw the bigger picture. He didn't say, Woe is me, feel bad for me, pray for me for for my release. No. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says this For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If we only understood, understood what is ahead of us when we enter into the presence of God. But we want the now. We want to be happy now. And the things that we complain about, are you kidding me? That's not suffering. Paul considered himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Counted all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations. Counted all joy. It doesn't make sense. And we should call ourselves a prisoner of Jesus Christ when we're in prison. But to Paul does, because he's there because of Jesus Christ. And so we need to look at these things. We need to understand, you know, what we go through, what we suffer. It's nothing. Nothing. Paul writes this. He said, verse 1, let's go back to verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, Timotheus, Timothy, his true son in the faith. Paul's at the end of his life, getting close to the end of his life. He's getting ready to pass the, uh, pa- the pastoral ma- mantle to him. And he's there with him. He's not a co-author of this. He's just with him. He said, our brother, the pro- pro- pronoun here mentioned, is letting Philemon know that he's a Christian. Timothy's a Christian. I'm a Christian. We are brothers in Christ. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. And so Philemon, the recipient, his name means affectionate. And apparently, um... He it was true to his name that Paul would call him a beloved friend. He calls him a beloved friend, a fellow laborer, one that works in the ministry. And I think this is important that Paul insert this here, not only for Philemon, but for you and I, to understand we're co laborers with Christ. Every single one of us, we've been given a gift, a gift or gifts when we accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Every single one of us has a ministry. A ministry. We should be a part of a ministry. Every single one of us. Because we're co-laborers with God, with Christ. Look at what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He writes this. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We are co-workers with God. And let me tell you something. Jesus, when he came here, he set the example. Jesus set the example when he came here. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but the Son of Man came to serve. He washed the feet of the disciples. He set the example. There's four Gospels for us to read, to learn, to live like Christ. We have Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? And, it, 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 and, and Christ is recorded, his ministry. How, he showed the disciples how to be compassionate, how to love, how to care, how to wash the feet of people. So we're co-laborers. We labor for the gospel. We serve one another. Every single one of us. So he, he calls himself a co-laborer. Verse 2, he says, To the beloved Alpha, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. And Paul is addressing Ophelia, Archippus, and the church uh, because uh, it applies to everyone. We are all to receive them because let's say if Philemon accepts the appeal and it is, it has forgiven Onesimus. The others in the house may not forgive him. And you've seen that. If the leader forgives, okay, he may forgive, but... The other people are not going to forgive. Oh, I don't know how he forgave people. I'm not going to forgive people. No, it's a family effort. The whole family must forgive. The whole family is to reconcile. And so he wrote, he continued to write in verse three. He says, "Grace to you and peace from God our Father." and the Lord Jesus Christ we find this in almost all of Paul's letters he'll he'll, he'll either begin by saying grace and peace or he'll close by saying grace and peace but you'll always find these together grace and peace in in Paul's letters you'll never find peace and then grace you'll always find grace and then peace Paul In Paul's day, they they didn't say grace and peace or peace and grace. They didn't say that. The Jews would say shalom, which means rest, right? And the the Greeks or the Gentiles would say charis, which means uh, grace. In other words, may you have a day better than you deserve. When we say good day, to them it was one word and it meant a lot more. May you have a day better than you deserve. And so what Paul did... This is Paul. Paul's one that came up with this greeting. This is, no one came up with this greeting because it's a theological greeting. There's a, a lot of uh, you know, theology behind it. Grace and then peace. Because Paul realized, hey, we're, we're gathered together. We're grafted in. There's neither Jew nor Gentiles. Okay? There's no Italians, blacks, or Hispanics. We're all together in Christ. The human race. We're the ones that love to divide. But he says grace and and grace and peace. Grace um, is the word charis is mentioned 155 times in the New Testament. And it means unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. And it's the grace of God because you can't have peace. You will never have peace. The world wants peace, but they never will have peace until they have the grace of God. Never. You could say shalom a hundred times. You could say peace, peace in the Middle East, peace. You could have the peace sign, whatever. That's why Jesus, when he came, he said, "I did not come to bring peace, but a sword." Whoa, Jesus said that? Yeah. What what he's talking about? This is worldly peace, by the way, that really doesn't last, and there's always consequences. There's always something behind. But we're talking the sword. He's talking about the truth of the Word of God. The world doesn't want the truth. The word is offensive to a lot of people. You ever share the gospel? Well, I hope you're all sharing the gospel. You can experience that when you share the gospel. Say, whoa, that's offensive. Well, there goes the sword. It's sharp, isn't it? But we share the truth of the the word of God. And then you have peace. So grace, unmerited favor, um, is the grace that we experienced when we first came to Christ. We've been saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul writes this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Grace. We've been saved by grace. Amazing grace. And that grace stays with us throughout Throughout our walk with the Lord, as long as, you know, it's the Lord carry or when you, be, when you go before the, the Lord, and the Lord takes you. Grace, remember, we studied this in Titus, the grace that saves you is the grace that trains you. It is the grace of God. And once you have the grace of God, you've been saved by grace, now you have Peace. Now you have peace. Now you have shalom. And this is a peace that, has, that God has planned to give all of man from the very beginning. The rest. When we think about the Sabbath, people get so legalistic about it. Oh, this is the Sabbath. You got to worship God here on this day. So I thought I was supposed to worship him every day. That's why Jesus, you know, uh, you know, the Pharisees, the religious, you know, the men in black would come with their curls. and You're healing on the Sabbath. Oh! and the curls get straight. (laughs) You can't even do it. Did somebody tell Jesus, it's Sunday, Sabbath, Saturday. Did somebody tell him, it's Sabbath. You can't heal people. Person is dying. No. That's work. You can't heal a blind man. Do you say, oh yeah. (laughs) He spits on the floor. And then he takes the mud. Puts it on man's eye. Go wash yourself. Jesus could have said, see light re- your, your, your sight restored but the reason why he spat on the ground is because they added to the law they were so legalist they added more because they weren't allowed to spit on the Sabbath because I don't mean to gross you out I hope I don't lose your appetite but the saliva your saliva would work and make mud that's why they couldn't spit so that's why oh yeah really even my spit is going to be working right now Spit, put it on, and that's it. So Jesus actually, he didn't break the law, the Lord's law, because what happened? You know, Jesus said, I did not come to, you know, break the law, I came to fulfill it. But it was man's law. They added to it. So, see, the rest was always from there, from the beginning. God had planned this rest. Even as far back, we can see rest in the name Noah. Noah's name means rest. And the ark rested on Mount Ararat. And if you look at the Jewish calendar, you could do the research, okay? If you have a Jewish calendar in your house. The Jewish calendar, they have calculated back when the ark rested on Mount Ararat, that very day, Jesus rose from the grave. The very day. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, there is rest. Rest. You see, that's why the Christians worshipped on the day of the Lord, the day that Christ was raised on a Sunday. So if you want to worship God Saturday, go ahead. Friday, I'm going to worship God every day. Now, yes, it's healthy to take a day off. It's important. But you you don't have to get legalistic about it because Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay? And Jesus used to go after the Pharisees. Yeah, you talk about, you know, not working or even sacrifices. Who's cutting up the lambs? Who's cutting up the lambs for the sacrifice that all in the day of Passover that they would bring? Almost two million people would come on the day of Passover. Who's doing all the work? The high priest, they would bring the lamb to the high priest. What was the high priest doing on the Passover? Work. Work sacrificing the lamb and so you see they they, they missed the point because our rest is in Jesus Christ so that's the that's shalom that's that's the rest that's the peace that's what shalom means means rest peace and we have grace and so this is why it's important because without the grace of God salvation through the cross we would not have peace we would not have peace
0: Thanks for joining us here on Running the Race. You've been listening to Pastor Eddie as he makes his way through the book of Philemon. I have a question for you. Have you spent time praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ today? What did you pray for? In Philemon 1:6, we get a picture of Paul's prayers for fellow believers. He said this: I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. When you pray, don't forget to pray for effectiveness in sharing the gospel. And to that end, we'd love to have you pray for us. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at RunningTheRaceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you missed that website, it was RunningTheRaceradio.com. And from all of us here at Calvary Chapel of Milford, thank you. Please come join us in person soon. You can find all of our info on that same website. Well, that's all we have for today. But come back next time, and we'll all keep running the race together.